0: We are back to watch the Fantastic Beast series. Oh,
1: joy. I am just over the moon. You should be. Why?
0: Because you get to hang out with me and we're in the same space.
1: Okay. Give me more reasons.
0: Because we are already made it through movie one.
1: Okay. There we go. Progress. I'll take progress as a good reason. We are, in fact, going to be discussing today Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. The 2016 first installment of the newest franchise in the Wizarding World, Canonical Universe. Do you remember watching this movie in the theaters? I do.
0: I remember seeing, because they did the fan event, and my friends really wanted to go see it on opening night. So I went by myself solo to the fan event two days prior and didn't tell any of them, and then went to it again on opening night.
1: What do you remember feeling in the lead up to the movie?
0: I was excited. It was exciting to have new content coming. And at that point, we didn't know how it would tie into anything. We kind of had a vague expectation beyond there will be Beast and Hufflepuff representation.
1: Is there? I don't, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw this at a movie theater in Northern Virginia with my girlfriend at the time. I was excited. I don't I don't think I was necessarily like jumping out of my chair. Um but I was excited for it. Yeah, so before we dive into how we felt about it. We'll do our our typical round of fast facts and trivia that we've been doing for these movies. Mm -hmm. So this movie was directed by David Yates. David Yates being the man who directed Harry Potter's five through eight order of the Phoenix through Deathly Hallows part two. Uh, Cinematography is by a man named Philippe. Rousselot. And I'm really sorry to all the French speakers out there who know that I butchered that name. Um, He's worked with Guy Ritchie with Tim Burton um, has a long history in French cinema. Um, fascinating choice choice for cinematography. The music, uh, I'll call that out in this in this episode because I thought the music was really well done for this. Uh, music was by James Newton Howard. Some of the cast, we we know them, we love them: Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler, Alison Sudall, Ezra Miller. Some really, really strong performances in, in in different spots by John Voight, Colin Farrell, Ron Perlman it play, uh, has a has a voice role in this. Danny, this movie came out in 2016. Would you care to guess how much money this movie grossed commercially? Would it be a eight hundred million dollars? B eight hundred sixteen million dollars. C, $839 million, or D, $943 million? I'm going
0: to go with B. Which one was B? 819. 816. 16.
1: You would, in fact, nope, you would be incorrect, mainly because I forgot the number. The correct answer in my mind was B, 816, when in truth it was actually 814. You are correct, but also incorrect. That's because I was incorrect. This movie grossed $814 million commercially in the box office. Would you care to guess where this movie fell in the top 10 of movies in 2016? Three. You would be very incorrect. This movie finished eighth in oh, 2016. Dang. Would you care to have a guess at any of the other movies that would be up there?
0: 2016. We're in the height of Marvel, so I feel like there should probably be some Marvel out there somewhere. Okay. I don't know which one.
1: Okay. Okay. Anything else? So, number one in 2016 was a Marvel movie, Captain America Civil War, bringing in $1.15 billion in the box office. Number two, Rogue One, Star Wars Story. Disney had a great year in the box office in 2016. Top five all went to Disney. Number three, Finding Dory. Number four, Zootopia. Number five, Jungle Book. Universal squeaks in at number six with The Secret Life of Pets. Number seven, Warner Brothers enters the fray with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And then number eight, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them.
0: I'm a little bothered that Batman v Superman beat out Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. This is a much better movie than that. Yeah, Fantastic Beasts,
1: for whatever reason. Um,
0: like, I'm okay with the other movies, but that one, I'm like, ooh. Are you okay with
1: Zootopia and The Jungle Book and The Secret Life of Pets beating out Fantastic <laughs> Beasts? I'm fine with a Marvel movie and mm-hmm. with Star Wars. And I can make an argument for Finding Dory, maybe. But this is Harry Potter we're talking about. It I know is. it's not Harry Potter. Well, that's but- why
0: I expected it to be higher, is because all of a sudden, the fan community had another thing to gather around. And in 2016, we didn't have any issues going on, really, at that time.
1: Well, we had our own issues going on in the world in 2016. The Harry Potter universe, hyper-specifically, did not have any overt issues to discuss. Yes. Fair. Two questions for you. I guess two questions in and of the same. What, as you recall, were your reactions after seeing the movie the first time in 2016? And then fast forward to sitting here today, how did you feel after watching it for this?
0: When I first saw it, I enjoyed it. I love the, I love Newt's character. I love the creatures. I still actually enjoy it. I will say I probably watched this more recently than I had the Harry Potter movies before we had rewatched them. I don't rewatch like Crimes at Grindelwald a lot. But this one, this is like a normal plane movie for me. Like it's a nice safe time length for a lot of my flights. So I, I would watch this one a lot on flights. What about you?
1: Well, how would you feel if you're watching it now?
0: Watching it now, I still like it. Yeah, Like, I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the pacing. Like, yeah, it has its issues. It has even more issues now that this, there's, like, another one after it, and the story's just very convoluted. But I, I still just, I enjoy the characters. I really like the characters. I wish they had a stronger story that had a better flow to it. But I like our main characters. I love, New- I love Jacob, Tina, and Queenie as a foursome.
1: I did not really enjoy this movie coming out of the theater in 2016. Not because I thought it was bad. I just it it didn't hit my areas of interest back in 2016. Particularly, I wasn't yet part of this this you know global Harry Potter fan community. Not that that necessarily changes what I like, but it certainly changes my perspective. And so at then I was like, I don't really. I'm an indoor cat, as I like mm-hmm. to say, and so I don't really care necessarily for like a bunch of creatures. Like that's yes. not that doesn't do it for me.
0: Was your ex girlfriend a fan of like the series? Yeah, she. I mean,
1: she wasn't like Harry Potter, like we're Harry Potter, but yeah, mm-hmm.
0: she she. Knew. Well, I just know like sometimes that affects. Yeah, no, no, no. She she
1: knew way. her stuff.
0: Okay.
1: Um, no, I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't have like a connection to the creature side of things because. I'm the Hufflepuff who would hate herbology, right? Yeah. Um, The whole New York thing, I just wanted to be at Hogwarts. I wanted to be in the British Ministry. I I, I didn't, at the time, have too much of a strong affinity for the universe that was being depicted in this movie. Having watched it more in recent years, and then especially through the lens of having seen Crimes of Grindelwald, I really like this movie. I, I think it it might be fairly high up my list, higher than maybe I gave it credit for when we did our rankings at the end yes. of Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, I agree the characters are really, really well done in this movie. I think a lot of their motivations are made very clear and very strong. And even if the plot line itself overall isn't the strongest, I think you can trace characters' motivations and their subsequent decision-making through it all. I thought...
0: We know where they're going. Yeah.
1: I thought... The music was really dang good. I thought the cinematography was beautiful yeah i I liked it. I liked it. I'm excited to talk about it.
0: All right well, let's kick it off.
1: Yeah, the music as it opens is grandiose, it's cinematic it's it's like a big it feels like if you ever whether you've had done this in person or you can just imagine it in your mind's eye sitting down to see an orchestra play. And the conductor gets up, lifts his baton, lifts their baton, and then all of a sudden the strings are going. It's cinematic. It's it's enveloping you. It's taking you and grabbing you by the collar and saying, "We're going on an emotional journey here." And it was it it, it felt like the hey, we know we haven't put out a movie in at that point five years. Um, welcome back. Let's 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 strap in together and go for a ride.
0: What I also liked about the opening was. I love the newspaper flyby because we we already knew going into it, it was a different time period, but the newspaper was kind of setting what was going on in the wizarding realm at that time. So you kind of were getting the glimpses. Okay. There's a lot of issues going on in Europe with Grindelwald. There's a lot of issues with muggle, um, not muggle, nomad. No, we're, 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 we're calling it muggle.
1: I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. fine.
0: Muggle it, it, wizard listeners... relations in the U.S. specifically.
1: Listeners, you call it whatever you want. No hate for those who call like it no exactly. mash. It just does. It does not roll off the tongue for us. No. Sorry. Um, yeah. So immediately we're set up with new as a very socially awkward person. Someone who quite literally physically shirks away from making kind of proactive contact with other people. Doesn't like looking people in the eye. Right seems to not necessarily be at home in his own skin, which is an interesting choice to set up the person who is presumably the protagonist and the main character on this journey, kind of as your you know as your avatar for the audience. It, it was a fascinating choice. one of the things I was thinking about. I'm curious how you feel about this. If you have any thoughts on this, I was thinking about if I were casting Newt's commander before we saw Eddie Redman's performance, who I would have went with. Do you have any thoughts on that whatsoever? Because it's the ultimate hypothetical, and it's hard to get his performance out of your mind's eye because, of course, you've seen it. So that shades how you view the character. But based on what you knew about Newt's commander before we saw Eddie Redmayne, how do you feel about his portrayal?
0: I don't know if I could like think of someone else because I love his portrayal. I think people love him so much is that he's actually more relatable than other characters we have met. Like, a lot of other characters come with a lot of bravado and, like, confidence in who they are. And, like, it's rare for you to see a lead character to not feel, like, you see the ones that, like, are socially outcasted in some way. But not necessarily because of how they are individually. It's more so the circumstance that they are within that sets them apart. Not necessarily who they are as a person that kind of sets them apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I asked the question because maybe it's the, the peculiar haircut, the nicely tailored long coats, the time period piece Mm -hmm. of it all, you know, Newt Scamander through Eddie Redmayne is soft in a warm way. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that Newt shirts away from a lot of human contact, he has tons of humanity. Yes. Which makes him warm. And I was thinking they they could have very easily went the other direction. And the, the name that pops into my head is Killian Murphy. Right? Someone who's really able to portray Danny's looking up Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy plays the scarecrow, the guy with the gas in Batman. He's the lead in Peaky Blinders. Uh-huh. He's he's gonna play Robert Oppenheimer in an upcoming movie. He he's someone who I think would play a very different Newt's commander, but I think someone who could really do the. A little bit jaded for whatever reason from society and from people, right? Has this affinity with a very certain group in this case creatures, right? Anyhow, it's just a qu- something that came up to my it's mind. It's an
0: interesting thought.
1: It's not that I, for the record, I thought Eddie Redmayne did yeah. phenomenal. This is not a criticism. I just unlike the Potter films, where it's not a choice
0: we would normally see as a lead.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and, and, and unlike the Potter mm-hmm. films where with the exception notably of Michael Gammon, right? We don't have too many character replacements, if any, right? We have the Patil twins, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting to think about, we know the, we know Newt Scamander wrote this textbook. It has yeah. to be somewhere to find them.
0: Yeah, but we have no book content on right. so that's
1: all we know. So we know he's someone who theoretically loves creatures, and that's really all we know. That said, you can start to make assumptions and conclusions from there, And so it's interesting to see how they chose they being the screenwriters and the producers to develop his character out Mm -hmm. from that very little source material. Yes. Um, So next, we're at that fire scene, crime scene, the the exploded house. Um, Percival Graves, Colin Farrell walks into our lives, brooding and powerful. Um, how, how, How do you feel about Colin Farrell as Percival Graves?
0: I think he does great. I think he sets up like a great character that you don't necessarily see so the thing about that character is you don't necessarily dislike him or hate him you don't see him as a villain but you see him as wanting power but he doesn't like bother you and like you're like okay i know this guy isn't the he's not the good guy but i'm not like put off. he's not like umbrage where you're just immediately like, put off by them you're like he's likable in his own ways but he has this very business-like professional Aura to him.
1: Yeah, he, he almost reminds me in a way, before, of course, the ultimate reveal at the end of uh Ray finds his character in Bond. Who he, he replaces Judy Dench, right? As as double seven's boss. Someone who you're meant to be conflicted by because he's dark, foreboding, plays by the rules, seemingly, right? Like mm-hmm. is very strict, right? And that's kind of the and ultimately in the end bond finds is the good character graves ends up being the bad one but similar construction right in that you feel like you should dislike him but you're not seeing enough to be like he's the bad guy you definitely yeah. don't like him it's
0: more like his personality just kind of rubs you the wrong way you're like yeah he's not the type of
1: person i'd hang out with do we want to talk about casting of grindelwald now or wait till the end
0: uh let's wait to the end because that's when he actually appears
1: okay cool and for the record i'm just gonna say it now we're not gonna go into a whole johnny Depp deep dive here we've talked about this on the podcast ad nauseum there's a whole episode where i ranted to danny sometime in 2021 go to the back catalog check that out but similar to the killian murphy thought experiment i do have a couple questions i want to ask around colin farrell Mickelson, and just get your reactions to. so listeners that's called a teaser we'll get to that at the end of the episode what's next
0: the Niffler and the Bank. Well, well there it's the the second Salem Mers. <laughs> There's an Earth at the end there on the steps, and you see Newt running past, and he bumps into Tina. It's our first time seeing her. What do you feel about them? I don't really. Nothing.
1: I got more on them in a little bit. There's another okay. scene that I think really it's okay. a home for them. But Jacob shows up.
0: Jacob shows up. Hello,
1: Jacob. Hello, Dank. Um. The, the the case swap thing I really love. What one of the things I love about this movie, and I'm sure there's more examples that I didn't write down, but in my mm-hmm. head I kept feeling like I was seeing them, is it reverts back, and maybe this is because the cinematographer, uh you know, Philippe Rousselot, right, is is a very classic French cinematographer. It, it, there's a lot of choices that feel very classic like Hollywood cinema, right? Like it feels like the case swap. That's one of the oldest plot devices in the book. And it's brilliant every time. Yes. Right. And that happens here. Right. And and maybe I'm getting wrapped up too much in the fact that it's a period movie takes place in the 20s, Right. So it feels classic and old. And I don't know. But I really liked that. Like, it was just like it, they had to make this happen. Right. For the sake of the story. Yeah. And they did it. Right. Occam's razor. Easiest answer is usually the right one. Right. They didn't overcomplicate it, um, which I thought was fun. Yeah, so inside the bank, a lot of stuff happens with Jacob and New. I
0: love their little initial reactions.
1: Yeah, I so I love, I wrote I down a lot of quotes from this movie. This movie, mm-hmm. maybe because the characters were so strong, I, I guess also the writing was seemingly strong as well. If I'm writing a lot of quotes, but hey, Mr. English guy, I you think your egg is hatching. <laughs> yeah. It's just a great line.
0: I like the one where he's like, you're, uh, I don't know for word for word, but he's like, you're here to try to get a loan for a bakery too?
1: Yeah, that. So many good little comedic <laughs> yes. moments. Um, but
0: it was a great foundation for the start of their friendship.
1: Did you catch the music that plays when the egg is hatching and there's that close you know pan in right on Newt and Jacob? No, I
0: did not.
1: Hedwig's theme. Oh. Hedwig's theme is softly playing. Which I thought again, uh, James Newton Howard is the the guy, the composer did all the music. Mm -hmm. I thought he did a very nice job of mixing in some Potter music, like John Williams' tropes. So, for example, we took a break midway through the movie because we made some dinner and everything. And as I was walking back from dinner, I was singing. I was singing a lot, double, double. And you said wrong movie, but the reason I was singing that was because somewhere in the middle of this movie. There's there's a there's a melody that plays and it's not that exactly it's a little bit off cadence but it was very similar so you
0: get the throwback. So
1: throughout this movie I thought they seeded kind of the original Potter music nicely just to be a subliminal kind of you know switch in your mind be like oh yeah this is a Potter movie it's yeah. there's no Harry Potter but it, it's We're a Potter movie. world
0: um one thing I will mention is Newt's wand is one of my favorite wands. It's actually the first one I ever bought. I had to get it from Noble Collection because the parks weren't selling it when I really wanted it.
1: I bought it at the parks. Aha.
0: Well, you got it after I did.
1: I'm just saying, haha, I bought it at the parks. Um Makuza, very cool looking.
0: It is. I, I like the like, it feels very New York. I love like the gold on the staircase, the um house elf shining wands. One thing
1: that they don't explain in this movie, and they certainly didn't in Crams of Grindelwald either, is the physical glamour of America's statute of secrecy, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the UK, we get it, right? You step into Diagon Alley through the Leaky Cauldron, right? Blah, 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 right? We don't get necessarily like we're not explicitly shown how the glamour works for Macuza mm-hmm. for any of these places it
0: just seems like another New York building that people right. walk into. But
1: is it is it like something like 12 Grimaud place where it you physically it's physically not there. Yeah, or like
0: the hospital where the right. it looks like, like an total- abandoned storefront. Yes. Like
1: I'm I'm curious about that. Mm-hmm. I still think it was I'm not, not a critic I was like I was like huh I wonder right because because Tina talks to the doorman as yeah. they're walking through. And I was just curious about how all the magic behind that works. Yes. Uh, then we get uh, President Pickery and Graves doing a bunch of plot exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what. I was going to save this for later. President Pickery might be more incompetent than Corny Fudge. She had Grindelwald as her head of yeah. her like law department for like an undetermined und- yeah. amount of well, time.
0: And it's funny because in that big like scene where they have all the people there she's like she mentioned something about the people that let um Grindelwald escape yeah (laughs) and then they pan over to Graves at that but that's further down but yeah like I have another one later in
1: here where I'm like she's deeply incompetent where is it
0: oh yeah
1: when when at at the very end of the movie when Pickery's like we need to contain this. Otherwise, our whole world exposed and we're at war. But then you get down there to the subway. And every muggle reporter in New York is sitting there with their cameras. Mm-hmm. And she has no way to obliviate the whole city. Because she doesn't know that Newt's got this. Thing. She is so incompetent. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, a, No. Good performance, whatever. The character, not the actress. Mm-hmm. The character is deeply incompetent. Anyhow. that had to be said when newt says i'm writing a book about magical creatures that's for listeners have you ever seen from once upon a time in hollywood the gif of leonardo dicaprio's character pointing at the tv screen when he sees himself on the tv screen rick dalton and he's like oh my god you know that it was like oh my god that's it that's that's the Mm -hmm. that's the that's the book that's the movie Mm -hmm. here we are
0: and then on top of that with tina's response it sets up how Newt sees the world versus how the wizarding world sees the world of these creatures yes. is that she's like, Oh, how to exterminate them.
1: Yeah. Next. This happens a lot throughout this movie, but that modesty child, mm-hmm. one of the creepiest characters I've ever seen.
0: She is. And they're specifically trying to get you to think it's her. Right. Anytime but you get a child
1: saying- doing like, incantations and chanting of anything is creepy even when it's hopscotch it's just just. my mama your mama sitting on a sweat like like the grudge Mm -hmm. like terrifying child really well acted terrifying child Um, kids are creepy (laughs) that's the lesson folks kids (laughs) are creepy next I really wanted to point out, because we talked a lot throughout the Potter films, about how I thought they were too tinted and too filtered, Mm -hmm. and the coloring got all screwy. Yeah. When Tina and Newt are walking through New York on their way to Jacob's apartment, I'm presuming, the color there was really nice. And again, maybe this is because I'm used to seeing grainy videos of the 20s in black and white, but they sap all the color out of the rest of new york mm-hmm. and you get the the colors of newt's jacket and scarf and tina's hat and her jacket and your mind your, your eye just goes there it, it was yeah. i thought it was beautiful
0: and i'll say this movie it's it's a very beautiful movie to watch the cgi is very good like the technology they used with all the creatures i had a question
1: about that i not that you know the answer but it's an open-ended question in that you know, with the with the Potter films, a lot of the effects were practical because that was kind of a byproduct of the time they were filmed, right? Like Hogwarts exploding throughout Deathly Hallows Part Two is mostly practical. There's a lot of CGI and some stuff because, well, you know. But like a lot of the castle literally exploding mm-hmm. was literally exploded on a set. Yeah, with all these different things where there's houses exploding and Credence doing his thing, I was curious how much of that was practical versus special effect.
0: I'm not sure that's a good you know because
1: now the side because with in 2015 when this movie was made obviously they had the technology to do very seamlessly rendered special effects
0: because i know with frank there's a behind the scenes thing or something where it's eddie redmond talking to the puppet of frank that's green and being like oh i need you to like push put more pressure so as she's like stroking him So, like, that's one of the things, like, behind the scenes things I've seen that I think about in there. But the other ones, I'm not sure.
1: You know, I've got to say, and this is maybe a theme, although I understand why for Tina. For President Pickery, I don't understand why she's so incompetent. Tina's not very good at her job. I understand why, because she's pressing, right? She just Mm -hmm. got fired. You tell she's on
0: edge in her energy. like,
1: Like an athlete who's been slumping they just are trying their hardest and they're trying too hard and they mm-hmm. keep making, you know, I understand why, but Tina doesn't have a backstory prepared for when Abernathy says you were with the second Salemers. If you just got fired for being around them, you have a backstory ready. Yeah. Right. You have a cover story, people. When they're sitting in front of Jacob's apartment, right, and it just all exploded, she loses Newton in like a second she's an <laughs> or her job is like to track people and to be like mm-hmm. a police officer i mean
0: he almost escapes out of her apartment that's except for saying. his sister that's what i'm saying knowing
1: it, she's pressing too hard it's so like she's I, I get it but
0: she's not good at her job in this movie mm-hmm. she's really not but i kind of like that energy from her though it
1: wor- i'm not saying i'm not saying it, it works it's good but i'm saying. She's
0: bad. Yeah. Like,
1: she's very skilled when in the moment when things happen, but like
0: she responds well, but doesn't if, have like if
1: I if I said to you, hey, this person's a cop, they're gonna stay with you and make sure that you don't go out of their sight. And then you ditch them within five <laughs> seconds.
0: Yeah, that's rough. It's
1: not a good look. No, that's a really rough one. Um, I'm curious when we go into the newspaper, the Shaw newspaper headquarters. Did you feel any sort of, uh, did, did it did it resemble anything you'd seen before?
0: It felt very like general pol- politics. It, I know it's more your realm of. Well,
1: no, this is actually more your realm. It felt like what I recall in my mind's eye because I saw it when I was a kid to to the, it, it, does Peter Parker write the Daily Bugle or is that Superman? Who write-
0: Daily Planet is Superman. What's the
1: Bugle? Is that Spider-Man? I don't know. Anywho, point is, it reminded me of Jay Jonah Jameson's office and the Spider-Man newspaper <laughs> yeah.
0: office. Like a
1: very large, like like, like very 1920s, yeah. right? Anyhow, it, it felt very similar. And John Voight, who, let's be clear, has some very questionable political views in real life and is not necessarily a role model for people, um, is a great casting in this mm-hmm. role as Henry Shaw Sr. Like nails the yeah. conservative, loves the firstborn, disappointed in the second child mm-hmm. without having to say too much, like just looks like an angry man
0: yeah that part of like the storyline always just a kind of it's a necessary evil the yeah. word.
1: it's there to to move the plot forward yeah fair enough but i thought it was it was a good casting
0: yeah
1: um next i had tina newton jacob walking when when jacob is kind of losing consciousness kind of Mm-hmm. Dan Fogler is phenomenal. Oh, he is. Like the groans he makes, the way his physical acting, he lets his body kind of be pulled where like he lets the top half be pulled and the legs kind of drag after. Mm-hmm. It's really good and stuff. He's
0: like muffling, but you can actually tell what he's saying.
1: Um, before I go off on a, 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 a loving soliloquy, uh, we get Alison Sudol as Queenie.
0: Before that point, okay. I want to put out, I love the throwback to the Neville lollipop scene with the Demi-Guys. I didn't...
1: I Now that you say it, I go there, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That was good.
0: That's all I really have to say with that, but I just really enjoy that because it's also, like, it gets stolen from Neville because Harry's in an invisibility cloak and they use demi guy's hair to make... Not Harry's, obviously, but mm. to make invisibility cloaks. Look at you
1: bringing in contextual outside knowledge. I guess there's a first for everything, am I right?
0: Hey! <laughs> That was mean. That was mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Queenie, what do you think about Queenie? I love Alison Sudol's portrayal of Queenie. One of the things that she has spoken about is that when they initially were casting her, they were looking for like some blonde bombshell, little ditzyer, I would assume. But I love her choices in that type of character because it's also a very... um. Juxtaposed to Tina, is a very different feel. What are your thoughts? Oh, she's
1: perfect. She's she's like Marilyn Monroe before Marilyn Monroe. She yeah, she is. I I think she's just pitch perfect in. Never mind her beauty, but her her intonation, her accent, her. The Way she uses her eyes, her smile. So she was like, yeah. Every
0: choice. She helped write the song and that's going on in the blind pig. Something like that. Something with the pig. Yeah,
1: you know, when she says, you know, don't worry, honey. Most guys think what you was thinking first time they see me. Like it's just great. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, one of the things I love most about that entire scene in, in their apartment is and this much has been made about this This is far from an original thought so you know for what it's worth but the way that you get to see magic for the first time through jacob it's like Mm -hmm. us watching the movies or reading the books again for the first time like the way the plates are flying the cups are going the food is being made stuff's being chopped
0: and her responding to his thoughts so like the strudel or pie and and then him finally being like can you stop like doing that like i'm a cook this is what i do and this is the best like just how he and even like with um, the clothes on the line and, like it's like everyday magic that you don't like in Harry Potter they're all learning things so you see a little bit at the Weasley's house but this is a little uh, so different because it's just like how they kind of live everyday life
1: yeah one, th- one note I had from because you were just touching on a little bit a couple minutes ago right it's fascinating to me like they make this distinction right in, in this apartment scene that Newt isn't cowed whatsoever by queenie right like Mm -hmm. jacob is completely just slack jaw yeah newt is a little bit trepidatious like he's he doesn't really like he he does not the way she uses her charm and everyone else falls in line does not work on him
0: no and you could tell like his main goal is is to go get his creatures is Mm -hmm. to go find them before they are injured And he doesn't really care about what's going on. Um, And even not even, it's not like necessarily in his character, but even her saying, um, well, after he says that she's a legitimate and he's, she's just like, Oh, I I can't read your kind with the accent.
1: I'm curious. What did you think the point was when they're in the case and new Swings the swooping evil at Jacob and then he mm-hmm. smirks. What did you think was the reason behind that?
0: I think it was just a way to introduce this creature that will later on be used again.
1: Yeah, but they couldn't introduce the character, they couldn't introduce that creature at any point. They, right, they, they go on to do a whole tour of his case just five seconds e- later. Yes, so, but- so I guess let me rephrase specifically why do you think the choice was made not just to introduce the swooping evil but to do it in a way where Newt smirks. Because I have a whole theory on this. that
0: okay. Um, My thoughts will probably not go with your theory. Um, My thoughts are probably along the lines of because he was, like, getting the venom and he mentioned that he thinks it will become a very, like, that it's a potent thing that they think they can use for other things. And it was just kind of, like, part of his daily ritual of taking care of all the creatures. And at the time, he was also, like, mixing up drugs for Jacob. But...
1: Yes, that's all wrong.
0: That's fine.
1: A couple scenes later, when Newt and Jacob are walking through the streets of New York, Mm -hmm. I believe on the way to the unintended bank, or jewelry heist,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Newt says to Jacob, I was watching you at dinner. People like you, don't they, Mr. Kowalski? Mm -hmm. I think, because it's not just that you introduce swooping evil, it's that Newt smirks after he does it. I think it's Newt's way of flexing, because he was so deeply uncomfortable and felt, I, I- I don't imagine it's a stretch based on at this point in the movie, what little we know about Newt to say that he wasn't the most beloved childhood school. Mm-hmm. He was probably teased a fair bit, right? Sitting at that dinner table, projecting a lot here, but Jacob has this whole flirtatious thing going on with Queenie. Newt probably feels out of place, uncomfortable a little bit, maybe put back into that childhood frame of mind again, where he was teased. So when he gets into his turf in the case, He's able to take this seemingly terrifying looking swooping evil death insect bird thing. Mm-hmm. And then smirk. Cause he's like, I got the power here. I'm flexing here to me. It felt like I'm back in my comfort zone. I just want to show off a little bit. Cause you just showed off unintentionally, but you just showed off up there. So I don't know that, it, that, that's where mm-hmm. I went with it.
0: I don't necessarily agree. Okay. So well, you're allowed to be wrong. Oh, I'm allowed to be right. Also.
1: Well, you're allowed to be right. You're not here, but you're, yeah.
0: No, I, but genuinely. I, no, I, under, I understand where you're
1: coming because I, I think they're setting up further with that, right? They're they're showing the differences in connection between someone like Jacob and Queenie, and mm-hmm. then Tina and Newt, right? And that whole scene in the kitchen upstairs exists to show that Jacob, the odd man out there, is actually the one who fits in better than Newt. In,
0: yeah,
1: right. And then Newt goes down to his case. It's like, this is where.
0: This is my comfort. This is my home. Right. This thing that ever. I brought upstairs. You this place.
1: Upstairs was so normal for me, but I felt out of place. Yeah. It was very weird for you, but you felt at home. In this case, this is bizarre beyond bizarre for everyone else. I feel normal. Here. Yeah. And when Jacob goes in, when Jacob watches Newt go into the case, and goes.
0: Wow. <laughs> like really good. <laughs> I love the entering the case scene. Yeah. It's just a fun little, it's a fun little dose of magic that like the case sends you back to like Hermione's bag but you never like quite got to see like what it would look inside. And then you get to go in this case and it's literally a whole world. One of the celebrations, they had the 3D thing where you could like be in the case.
1: I don't think that was the year I was there. I can't remember which year. The year I was there, they had Slughorn's chair.
0: Yeah, no, they had like some 3D thing where it like looked like you were in the case.
1: I love the way that Newt had little snippets of clearly continued conversation with his creatures, mm-hmm. right? So it was very obvious and evident that conversation had already happened. Like it, yeah. it, it was in Media res, right? You picked it up right in the middle, as opposed to the beginning, yeah, which was really nice. It shows a lot of depth of backstory there, yeah, which I thought was was really fun. Yeah. Um, and then Jacob has so many good lines inside the case right I don't think I'm dreaming I ain't got the brains to make this up mm-hmm. what'd you do today Jacob I was inside a suitcase like a lot of yeah. really good
0: stuff <laughs> and then like the conversation with Pickett because I, I love Pickett the bow truckle
1: as opposed to Pickett the
0: yeah like bow truckles in general okay uh, so then we're going to the jewelry store I think that scene is just so much fun to watch
1: yeah I put hilarious that's what I put on mine <laughs>
0: It's just such a fun thing. And then when he Accio's the Nippler and his pockets, just like everything's just flying.
1: It's a, it's a curious cinematography choice because it puts it in the slow-mo, which then are we as viewers assuming that the scene itself occurred in the universe in slow motion, or is that just the choice they made to show us all the, because the way that they're dodge, duck, dip, diving, and dodging around all those jewels that are coming at them pretty high speed, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. If that's coming at them at regular speed and it's just slowed down for the movie is really damn impressive. If it's slowed down in their world too, it's much less impressive, still really cool. I, 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 one of the things that's not a criticism, I was just really curious how the, produce, how the movie makers mm-hmm. wanted me to interpret that.
0: Yeah. I I don't think they really. I think it was more for like the effect and the amusement and enjoyment of it. And then Jacob's just like they went that way as they're covered in all of the stuff.
1: Yeah, the the line from New you know New York is considerably more interesting than I expected. Mm-hmm. Great, uh, the whole Arumpen scene. I don't know if you want to talk about any of that, but I mean it's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, but... um, the we don't have to talk about the whole Shaw Senate murder thing too in-depth
0: so right before that because earlier you mentioned like the throwback to like that era of movies and mm-hmm. that that little one they're under the bridge doing the charlie chaplin walk
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: and that when you mentioned that that brought me back to that like, yeah they kind of threw that in
1: one thing i was curious about i i have to harp on this because the shaw stuff is a plot device that mm-hmm. is needed imagine if that happened and like imagine the universe of fantastic beasts Fast forward to like 50, 60 years. What would the textbooks or the newspapers or like historians say about that? Because everyone saw this dark, it, unlike, unlike a lot of conspiracies that occur, Kennedy assassination, whatever, right? Where you can draw up enough suspicion about another set of events. Mm-hmm. It's not like there was a guy with a gun in the room and the guy died of a gunshot, right? This wind... Conceivably lifted him into the air, like, like in yeah. like a, is you know, like a Christ-like kind of hanging thing, you know, shredded him against like, what would the textbook say about that? Right. Like would that, would that be, a, how does that story kind of play telephone over the generations?
0: I'm not sure because like, we assume that they were obliterated in some way, but then you're still having to explain the death of. But here's the thing. This is
1: again, why pickery is so incompetent at the subway scene at the end when they're the ministry is putting that big bubble up outside yeah. the subway, John Voigt, Henry Shaw senior comes up and says, that's the thing that killed my son. I'll yeah. expose you all for this, for what you mm-hmm. did,
0: which means that he knows still that he's made the connection. No, no, but yeah. what that
1: means is no one obliviated him after his son got murdered or at least True. changed his memory. Yeah. So he got murdered by quote unquote normal things.
0: Yeah. So like, the ministry is just blatantly not doing their job. Yeah, no, you're right. You're
1: right. That was one of the things I noted. Was well, like, wait a minute, he says
0: that lie at the end, but that
1: implies that, that
0: he was never.
1: He still has memory of his son being taken by this ethereal magical force. Yeah,
0: which was definitely not a gas leak.
1: Right. So, anyway, I thought that was you know um, bad, Makuza for that whole Congress scene or what was yeah. going on there. Again Tina, not the most competent, kind of just barges in to the middle of this whole thing with without any sort of plan
0: and it's like obviously a room that is used for important meetings it's not just like the office down the hall it's like this is a room where people meet for important things yeah. and to just end up in there um, and then we're we know that there's people representative from all the magical ministry governments around the world and it takes someone nothing against newt we know he's very knowledgeable but it takes him to go don't mess with me you know what this is
1: yeah there's a whole lot that's not ideal from the characters in this scene right again tina barging in with no plan right not great Mm -hmm. tina not expecting there could be consequences for her There, not great newt kind of trying to flex his knowledge of the explanation not great well, well the new as he's being dragged off like, they're not dangerous mm-hmm. like, don't yell that right that's
0: what well but he's yelling to not hurt them no, right but, but like that's like saying
1: i didn't do yes. it I didn't. Yeah. You, you did it right you you yeah. sound guilty and well, by your protestation and they
0: already set up though is that this government already has like the ministry of magic already has opinions of them because they're like the scamander theseus the war hero and they're like no the little brother like they ha- you could feel that aura of, like, yeah, he's the only got kicked out of Hogwarts. Like, he's not um, he's not amounting to anything. He's just going to cause more problems.
1: It's just like Tina did not think a lot of the story. No. Um, yeah, the Graves interrogation scene is one of my favorites every time I watch this movie because you could parse every single line there and what the motivation for the questions are, right?
0: And you see the connection Newt is where he's like, something's not right yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the second that Graves says, so it's used to slap the host, right? Yeah. They know, and that's why he has to sentence them to murder, which, again, kind of odd that there's still, like this extrajudicial murder process that Graves is allowed to
0: conduct. Yeah, and he, like, sentenced into two people, including one of the employees?
1: Yeah, well, former employee. She'd been fired.
0: Yeah, she had been fired, but still, you would think they were like, there should probably be a little more investigation there.
1: Odd that during the interrogation, um, those two, like, administrative assisted murderers are allowed in the room. The woman, Bernice, what's her name?
0: You think it's, that sounds right?
1: They feel like they're, like, for lack of better phrasing, nurses who help you commit basically like a form of magical execution. Yeah. Right. They shouldn't be in the interrogation room. They should be right outside. And then he calls them in. Why why are they allowed to hear all the privy details there?
0: And they're not questioning his all of a sudden, like, because you see it happen is...
1: He realizes he was caught. You see
0: Newt clicks everything, makes a sentence, adds Tina in just because, and they're right there. And they're like, no, this sounds right.
1: Uh, Queenie saying to Jacob, of course not. You're one of us now. Like, great line. Like, one of the ones that, like... Belongs in like a highlight reel. Of like mm-hmm. if you tell the story, if you if you were to put together like a once all the movies are done being made for this, if you were to put together like a ten minute supercut that demonstrated kind of the plot of all the movies, that feels like one that's at the front end. Yeah. Um, one thing that didn't work for me throughout this movie was the credence obscurial camera, where like you were the obscurial going through New York, which is like yeah. it just didn't. It felt rudimentary to me. Like I liked much better when you saw from above how like the it was black.
0: affecting. Yes. Like, I liked
1: that. I didn't like when you were the obscurity. Like it just didn't, I don't know. Like, it felt very mid two thousands to me. Well,
0: it's also like, it's one thing when you're seeing the damage happen, you understand that there's like something's going on when you are the cause, like from the perspective of the damage, you're like, I don't know why we're doing this. I don't know what care, like, we're not sure what this character's motivation is. We know right. they don't like this one, but it's weird.
1: What was the name of the bargain? You said the blind earlier. pig. The blind pig? I think so. I, I don't know. I'm whatever it was, I want to drink there. <laughs> That's where I want to go. The way that they do the magic, the women I want do you the to magic. Have <laughs> the way the women do the magic to reveal their dresses or whatever. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Like, I it, thought that was really good.
0: I love the newt adding in the bow tie. Yeah, like...
1: The, the place was found. And this is where you get Ron Perlman as Narlak, who I think is the perfect voice actor for for that scene. Uh yeah, Jacob saying, I love house elves. My uncle's a house elf. <laughs> like just hilarious. Yeah. Uh, when, when Queen is like, are there other no matches like you? He goes, No, I'm the only one like me. He's trying to be super suave. <laughs> Knocks back the giggle water. Like, <gasps> you know, great. <laughs> Absolutely great. Um anything else on the bar?
0: No, I love the feel of it. Like, it definitely feels very speakeasy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It, the, even the, the music style is perfect. There's a,
1: and again, I'm not breaking any new ground here, people. But if you ever find yourself in London, there's a world-round speakeasy there called Nightjar. And it is one of the best speakeasies in the world. It's been like, I don't know who adjudicates those things, but it's been adjudicated as such. Phenomenal. They have, like, a live jazz band down there sometimes. Like, a little, just a. Like a crooner and like a, a couple instruments. The, the cocktail program is top notch. If you ever find yourself in Tampa, really good speakeasy called Ceros there, which similar vibe to Nightjar. I, I once struck up a friendship with a bartender at Ceros, and she was telling me that they actually designed Ceros to be inspired by Nightjar. So that makes sense. But uh, if you have any other good speakeasy recommendations anywhere around the world. Uh, creating magic podcast at gmail.com, creating magic podcast on Instagram. I would love to hear them.
0: Uh the picket moment always is like a heartstring puller for me because we've seen that relationship. And then we later on see the apologizing. Um, and now we have to go find Doogle.
1: Yeah, I don't really I mean, look, I think the whole the whole Demi guys thing is cool that like it sees probability, like really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't really give a damn about the whole alchemy size thing, like whatever. It was fine. Again, this is where it's like, I don't really, I care about animals. I love animals, but I don't really care about creatures in this world. Like it doesn't do it for me.
0: Yeah. It doesn't, but like it also makes sense because like Tina was like, we need to get all your creatures so that they can stop pinning this on you. And it was nice way to get back into the case, putting all the creatures back and then you have that Little Lestrange moment. Well, that, that's
1: what I wrote here. It's fascinating. This movie, it's a shame. Look, we're not going to talk about the second one yet. We'll talk about the second one when we review the second one. Knowing what we know now with what happened in the second movie and how much of a train wreck that was, this movie really sets up the series in a way that was super promising. Like that little Little Lestrange moment. Any Harry Potter fan who hears the word Lestrange, right? Your ears perk up. Right. I think you get enough of a taste of some of the big players at Makuza to where like you're setting up storylines there. Right. This whole dialogue around how restrictive uh, the statute of secrecy and, and nomad magic relations in the U.S. Like there's a lot of great stuff. Yeah. A lot. And we'll get to Crimes of Grindelwald when we get to it. Like watching the Little Strange thing, which is just one example. I was like, oh, my God, like they did this really well. Because they could have very easily just had her show up in the second movie without any sort of introduction. And still, they could do enough work to where you build a backstory. But putting her here Mm -hmm. prepares you for her in the next movie in a really smart way.
0: It does. And then it also is showing how their friendship is growing. Because now Queenie is able to read Newt pretty easily. And yes, she does say that it's easier when people are hurting. But you see that they've really formed this bond and then we get that throw-in of the Ilvermorny Hogwarts hogwash, which is like a fun little, like...
1: Yeah, Yeah, you know, the, the next scene with Credence and Graves, that's where Graves' is true uh, motivation, mm-hmm. or at least not necessarily true, but you no longer think he's a good guy or a bad guy. You yes. know he's a bad guy at that
0: point. You know there's ulterior motives right. for everything he's done.
1: Uh, I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, again, here, this is where I was wondering what was digital versus what was practical because all the brick exploding and all that.
0: You think the choice of having the fight like in the subway was really good? Yeah.
1: Well, before we even get there, right. Mm -hmm. I thought like the wand fight between Tina and Graves in the streets of New York. Yes. It was just a little back. It wasn't a lot, but it was really good. I think one of the things that they did with Fantastic Beasts that you saw towards the end of the Potter franchise mm. is you've removed a lot of the very like the very elongated, blatant spell casting where like you take like like think like, it's very uh, exaggerated, but from like the dueling club in Chamber of Secrets, Point, step, cast, shout. Yeah. Right now, it's just. It's
0: still. Like, it's like less.
1: It's very. It's very natural. Like mm-hmm. you're wa- you're just fl- flipping your wrist, flinging spells, like the way that Graves kind of dispels them with like a dismissive. Like it feels a lot more real, mm-hmm. and perhaps a lot of that is the the the, the CGI. That they're able to, for yeah. the wand for the incantation, on that is able to catch up to the time. But I thought that was really really well done.
0: Yeah, it's like, and it's also like, it's not that that was. Bad enough. it was
1: never bad, but
0: it was like also like they're learning, so you're like, okay, this is kind, of, but now you can see like these are adults who have been in this world and this is muscle memory now, and it felt very natural for it to be that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I love something we don't see in the Potter films that we see apparating, but what mm-hmm. we didn't see was like newts like sprinting across buildings and apparating to keep up with yes I that love was that. really cool. I
0: love that chase like the running through New York scene.
1: Yeah, again, this is where I have Pickery being just deeply incompetent. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the battle in the subway, outstanding. I thought it was really, really cool. I thought everything from the visual of the way that Credence kind of is like creeping down the walls like that smoke was really cool. It was like
0: smokes. it reminded me of like the edges of the Dementor's Cloaks, Mm -hmm. like that very like creepy crawly Mm -hmm. infestation almost.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I thought a lot of the way the spells almost felt electric and the way they were lighting Mm. up the subway tile or the rails was really, really, really well done. Anything else you want to talk about right here?
0: Well, we're going right into the reveal. So why don't we go to your... Well, so
1: the only thing I want to say is, again, we're not going to do the whole Johnny Depp thing here tonight. I'm not... I am dealing, for the sake of this conversation, solely within the factual realm that we live in. Which is whether you agree, disagree, or feel somewhere in the middle, Warner Brothers decided to cast Johnny Depp, then fire Johnny Depp, then hire Mads Mickelson. That's it. I'm not, I'm not doing that. My question is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Mads Mickelson is a horrifying, deeply creepy, cold, haunting man. And I think he will do very well in this role. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just bring back Colin Farrell?
0: I had thought of that and I feel like because he was in a disguise and it was a very different character that like going to what we know as where he's gone as Grindelwald, I don't know if he has like the, that like, as you said, like that haunting like feel to him and then it might be more confusing if all of a sudden are like, well, why is it back to this well, guy? Because they're gonna have to keep the look. Oh, I agree,
1: but is it not more confusing to have a whole different character, a whole different person in that character that you haven't seen mm-hmm. before? Right? Like you could write into the plot something like if Colin Farrell showed up with frosted blonde hair and put on some yeah. you know, contacts, whatever, right? And made him look slightly more like Depps Grindelwald, you can mm-hmm. write you into could. the story. Why he all of a sudden looks more like Graves again. Right. Mads Mickelson showing up, looking nothing, I'm presuming, yeah. based on the couple teaser trailers we've seen, right? Looking nothing like that. Grindelwald is more confusing insofar as it's a different person entirely, looking a different way, playing the same character. Yeah. I'm all I'm all about Mads Mickelson. I'm just, it felt it, like the a, path of least resistance would have been, let's go give Colin Farrell a boatload of money. Yeah. Maybe he was busy. I don't know what he's working yeah. on. Maybe he said no. I don't know. But that feels like it would it have been, an been an more natural choice.
0: of a choice. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I get that. Uh, then Frank obliviates everyone.
1: Again, Pickery deeply incompetent. Pickery had no way to obviate the whole city. She says it in the scene. Yeah. If not for Newt and his birds, which ten minutes ago she was ready to kill all of them and kill him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what she does. Shoot, they're at war, according yeah. to her. And then again, incompetence. When so she does, like, <laughs> yeah. now get out of New York. A competent person says, I'm going to escort you out, out of, of New
0: York. York. Yeah. Not,
1: hey, time for you to go. Or
0: even, like, make sure you obl- obliviate the other yeah. guy over there. Yeah. Well, that felt, you know,
1: and and I, again, we don't want to jump ahead to Crimes of Grindelwald mm-hmm. and the upcoming Secrets of Dumbledore. But it is spoiler, 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 spoiler. If you have not yet seen Crimes of Grindelwald, for whatever reason, it came out like three years ago, four years ago. Where are y'all at? But spoiler. Jacob has his memories in Crimes of Grindelwald. So he was hit with the Frank tears. Somehow he got them back. We don't exactly know how that happened. Right?
0: We don't know the how. We know he had some memory because of the bakery. We're like... You got nipplers that don't exist.
1: Right. Which which then seems to contradict. There's some co- magical continuity canonical thing. We don't have the answer. But point is, it, to me, I read her saying rules are rules. He has to be oblivious to almost is like in Game of Thrones when Corrin Hathan says to John, you kill Egrid." And John says, "You knew I didn't kill her." He says, "Yeah, that's why I left you alone." Yeah, like he. It knew she feels worked.
0: like that, you know. Like, it
1: feels like Pickery's like, "Yeah, obviate him, but you, you don't have yeah. to." Yeah. Um, so I just I, that was I, I'm curious. I mean, obviously it's a fake character. We're never gonna know the answer, yeah. but I'm curious if she genuinely meant obviate him, or if that was like a, okay, I'm just gonna turn away and not look. Yeah, I'm telling you this is the rule. But okay, you know.
0: But it's also a team, so you're like
1: role follower, so. I you know I just. Yeah, I, I didn't know what and to
0: make of that. Kind of, he obviated himself essentially. He's the one that made the steps to walk out. Well, it just—it's yeah. No, I know. Um, one of my favorite moments in that movie, it, right before that, is where um, where Jacob's like, "Everybody knows Newt only kept me around because hey, Newt, why did you keep me around? Because I like you, because you're my friend, and I'll never forget how you helped me, Jacob." And I love that little moment between them.
1: Yeah. And that's really it. Right? You get Queenie at Kowalski's Bakery. I do
0: love the repairing of the New York scene. I will say, like, yeah. I love watching that. Again. I just like watching magic. Yeah. I think that's what it comes like, down to. Like, Pickery
1: it. seems to contradict herself. because She's like, we can't obliviate everyone and fix all this. But then, like, two seconds later, Newt has obliviated everyone for her. And then her orders are fixing the entire city like that.
0: My question that was always is, I'm like... But they're out in the rain, so aren't they getting obliviated? Like, but then also, if people people who aren't in the
1: rain, what happens to them? What happens if you're sitting inside your house and you see all I, this happen outside well, your
0: window? You see cool. the wall. You see. You, we, you see the guy in the shower, but, and then the go, lady drinking water. So you just, I in my head, I just went, it's in the drinking water now. But I guess.
1: But the, how did? It, but her water was already in the cup. I. I you're right. They went for like yeah. a a water symbolism thing there. But it really no, but doesn't it make a doesn't ton doesn't of sense actually, if you think about it.
0: Yeah.
1: So like, but what happens if none of them Or What happens for like if you were just sitting at your window, looking out the window, and all of a sudden you see, you know,
0: New York skyscraper fixed,
1: Right. Like steel going backwards and up. Yeah. You didn't get touched by I again, it's not a criticism, but it's one of the many things that happen in terms of the continuity and the canonical. Story of magic in this movie that are very fascinating that they don't answer. Yeah. Right. Like, much like how does the ministry geographically and physically work? There's a lot of things that's like, well, how did that? And it's not a problem, I don't think. Just, you know, um, something I was curious about.
0: What are your thoughts going into? Well,
1: no. Who won the movie? Who won? I
0: forgot.
1: For you, um, three questions Who won the movie? Favorite scene, most surprising thing.
0: Mm, who won the move? For me, it's going to be Newt. I love his character. And I think the quad as a full set easily won it also. But I really love Newt. Uh, favorite scene. Um, I really, and, and it has like no like necessary addition to the script. I love when they're in the case and like just newt taking care of his animals and jacob's like yeah i'll go feed these random moon calves i don't even know what they are but i just i just love those little interactions it's what surprised me i don't know if anything necessarily surprised me i still enjoyed it a lot like this movie hasn't like gone up or down on my list of things like it's still a movie i'll regularly put on it doesn't get like pushed to the back like i don't know well, what about you
1: yeah, I think David Yates won the movie. Don't get me wrong, I as we've covered, I like a lot of the later Potter films, right? Like Order, mm-hmm. his first movie that he's part of, I really liked. Right? Both Deathly Hallows I liked, Halfwood Prince, I liked. That said, so maybe maybe it's not David Yates as much as it is the cinematographer, Philippe Rousselot, because I didn't like in those movies a lot of the color choices, color choices. a lot of the filter and all that. I thought this movie was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I thought this movie was, I mean, the poster I have for this movie with Newt standing on top of a building with the sunrise or sunset yes. kind of off to his right, holding his case. is just, it's gorgeous. This This movie is such a great either introduction for people into the wizarding world or reintroduction mm-hmm. into the wizarding world. And I think if you're someone like us, who's being reintroduced, you don't. Love that you have to question all these things about how does the magic work. If you're being introduced either as a kid or as an adult for the first time, you probably love that those questions aren't answered neatly, like because it allows your creativity and your imagination to run. So, I I, probably the cinematographer, my boy Philippe, favorite scene, there's a little odd. I don't know. It was really tough for me to pick one that differentiated. I would probably say the entire apartment scene with Tina and Queenie and Newton Jacob, because of how much it tells us about how the movie makers are setting up the different relationships and how characters relate to each other and and what they react to and being able to see magic through Jacob's eyes and the sheer brilliance of it all. And the the, the surreal of it all. I thought that was really, really good Uh, for what surprised me. Honestly, how much I liked it, right? This movie is far more so than the second movie, heavy on creatures. And again, I thought that I dislike animals. I really do love animals, but like we have a lot of friends in the Harry Potter community who could tell you every single thing you ever want to know about a hippogriff or will be able to name all the things you need to feed a pygmy puff in order to, you know, like that's just not me. I just, I don't come to these stories for the, for the, the, the creatures of it all mm-hmm. um but this movie was really it, it surprised me and how character driven it was and uh, how beautiful it was and despite the plot not necessarily being the strongest plot in the world i thought how well focused it was Yes, right like there's only a couple deviations that kind of feel either out of place or in retrospect having seen the second movie don't appear relevant but I thought this movie was really really well focused and driven
0: yeah, I I really do I love the character development even in just this movie of those four and seeing on where they started and where they end in this movie Crimes of Grindelwald mm. do you recall the last time you've watched it
1: uh, I don't know a couple of years ago a year ago I don't
0: so what are your thoughts going into
1: it's a canonical mess it is a canonical mess, somewhat similarly to how in a couple of the Potter films, there are times where the spell cast isn't the spell that we see displayed on screen, visualized on screen. It's like that times a thousand in, in Crimes of Grindelwald, like like McGonagall being a professor who shouldn't be alive. Like, there's just so many things. It's like, well, how, why? Mm-hmm. There are some... Cinematography choices that, despite being beautiful, I think I think there were a lot of choices made, as I remember from that movie, that were made with the beauty on screen as the driving reason, rather than the plot and or um, the magical continuity. The whole Mustafa Kama plotline doesn't make any sense to me no matter how many times I watch it. He appears in the teaser trailers for Secrets of Dumbledore, so. Hopefully that gets a little more cleared up and his role becomes more preeminent, but the whole, is that the Titanic? Is that not the Titanic weird subplot where the baby there's a whole, there's a whole lot going on in that movie where it's not questions of how does the magic work? It's what's going on. What the hell is going on? Yeah. So I'm not, it's not as bad as having to go through Azkaban or Goblet and having to watch Gambin, but it's pretty dang close. What about you?
0: It also, from what I remember, it feels like it, like it drags a bit. It, like this one did not feel like a drag. I felt like I was in it the whole time. So not necessarily looking forward to, it. I remember being excited to see it in the theaters, but yes. mostly because the trailer had that moment where you saw, like I remember yes. when all of us saw that trailer where we're like, we're going back. Like, yeah. Hogwarts is there. We are all very excited. We get to see young Dumbledore. That was all super exciting. But this movie has so many other issues that are part of it. There is one scene that I love watching. So I am excited to watch that again. But, yeah, it's going to be.
1: I'll give you two things I am excited for. I'm excited for, A, to see Jude Law. Yes, I'm, uh, say what you will, people. And I'm a big fan of *You Lost Dumbledore*. I really, Same. really am. It works really damn well for me. Two, I'm excited for you to be able to tell the story you started to tell at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> next podcast
0: sounds good. And then, uh, all
1: right, end of the episode.
0: Okay.